read Mark 1, verses 21 to 28. The man with an unclean spirit. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you do to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit, convulsing in him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him, they were all amazed. And they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, I pray that you will take these human words and all our thoughts and use them to bring us ever closer to your divine truth. Amen. A while ago, I remember listening to a debate on Radio 4, uh, and I remember this very well. It was a debate about gambling, and it was just at the time uh, when I was moderator and had signed a letter going to, I think, the Gambling Commission uh, to get them to reduce the maximum bet on the fixed odd betting terminals, which I don't know if you remember, uh, used to have a maximum of £100. So you could actually spend £300 in a minute on those betting terminals. Uh, unfortunately, in the end, we were successful in getting that reduced, I think, from 100 down to two. So I remember this very well. Um, but on this uh, short interview that there were the usual suspects. There was a spokeswoman for the gambling companies, there was an ex-addict, a professional gambler, and a lady from the Evangelical Alliance. Now I have to admit I was really pleased at the time that they hadn't gone as often happens for someone at the extremities of the Evangelical Alliance. Um, I, I was struck by a number of things when I listened to that. For example, it was interesting how young the people were when they first started gambling. But what really stuck in my mind, or should I say stuck in my throat, was the attitude of the gambling industry spokeswoman, particularly as her view jarred with the Corinthians reading we heard earlier on. She, like the addict on the programme, had started to gamble when she was 15. But her key point was, because she was okay and didn't get addicted, therefore relaxed attitudes to gambling were okay. I mean, she was clearly a very intelligent, articulated, 
and self-controlled person. And yet she seemed to conveniently assume everybody else was the same. Unfortunately, this isn't the case, as evidenced by the young lad who had been addicted since he was 15. I have to admit, when listening that morning, I desperately wanted to make the point that Paul makes in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. You know, we don't exist apart from our neighbours, whether we like it or not. We coexist with them. And that brings us both benefits, but also responsibilities. Um, before I move on to Corinthians, I just quickly like to uh, touch on our uh, reading from Mark. At the time of Jesus, someone with obsessive behavior, such as a gambling addiction, would usually have been said to be have been possessed and possessed by evil spirits. And in some ways, we might say the same today, but just not with an evil spirit. But the people in the time of Jesus really did believe in evil spirits. So to heal the man in the synagogue, Jesus drove out the evil spirit, even though it was a Sabbath, and it might well have been construed as work. That little episode tells us at least two things. Firstly, that Jesus did have a natural authority. We understand that both from the way that people were astonished at his teaching, but also how the evil spirit obeyed his command. Secondly, this demonstrates yet again the compassion and love Jesus had for his fellows, as he clearly thought that helping the man was more important than the intricacies of keeping the Sabbath day holy. Our reading from Corinthians does contain a lovely piece of argument, which I think is as powerful today as it was 2000 years ago. In the Greek cosmopolitan city of Corinth, there were altars to a very large number of gods and idols, gods with a lowercase g. And sacrifices were made to these idols. Often these sacrifices were either of meat or of agri-products, agri so either way they could be eaten. To people who believed in idols, it was wrong to eat food that had been offered to the idols. It was theirs and not ours to eat. However, if you knew that the idol was nothing other than a piece of stone, it was clearly okay to eat the food. And that certainly would have been the case for the educated Christian Greeks. So Paul acknowledges that no law is being broken if you eat this food, but then he makes two really interesting points as well. In his first point, he simply states, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. You could imagine some of the arrogant intellectuals poking fun at those who are less well-educated than themselves, who felt uneasy eating the food sacrificed to the idols. You would hardly encourage these people to follow Christ if you treated them like that. 
His second point urges us to be careful that by exercising our freedom, we do not become a stumbling block to the weak. And Paul was referring to eating the idol's food, simply saying that while it's okay to eat per se, if by eating it we confuse, alienate or humiliate someone else, then that is wrong and we shouldn't eat it. We cannot allow our right to exercise our freedom to become a hindrance to others. This is the Christian responsibility of coexistence. And we could say the same thing about free speech and gambling. So remember the gambling industry spokeswoman I mentioned earlier, her ability to control her gambling as a youth is fine and laudable, but it could easily send the wrong message to the people Paul called the weak. And today we might say that they are people who have an addictive personality. A number of my relatives are teetotal for just that reason. It's not that they can't handle alcohol, it's because others can't. So let me pull these points together. The common thread linking our two readings is love. Christ shows his love and compassion for the man with the evil spirit and drives the spirit out. He was not aloof and puffed up, he loved. You could imagine how the man could have simply been ejected from the synagogue, put down and ignored, but not Jesus. His love came pouring out. And I have to admit, I was really grateful the same happened in the church at Chesham. Paul reminded us all not to be puffed up, but to be filled up with love as Christ demonstrated. So far, so good. For us, this is maybe a bit of apple pie and motherhood statement. Who could disagree with that? I think the real bombshell comes in the next statement because Paul translates the love into a concrete example which puts the well-being of our neighbour ahead of our own freedoms and intellectual certainties. And that's the toughie. Let us all try and ensure we do not become the stumbling block that prevents others from living with Christ and being smothered in his love. So the real question for us is how do we know we are becoming a stumbling block? For people we know, this could be relatively straightforward. But what about those we don't know? Should we therefore adopt a worst case policy and assume everybody could be easily led astray? And what will lead, the, and what will lead them astray? Gambling, drinking, even kissing your wife or husband in public, displaying luxury goods, and the list goes on and on. If we take it to the absurd, we could all be shabbily dressed, half-starved and exhausted from the perpetual work. In the end, we need to be sensitive, sensitive to those around us, but more so sensitive to that still small voice of God guiding us when needed. Let us pray.
I hope and pray that we can all live up to these huge challenges and have the humility to ask for help and forgiveness when we slip below these high standards. Amen.